Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Mental Toughness and Body Show. My name is Rob Evans, and I'm your weight loss coach, health strategist, and internationally published author, helping take your life and your business, your health, fitness, mindset, and body from where you are right now to where it is that you want to be. And I've got a great guest with me today. It's Tane Bartholomew. Welcome, Tane. How are you, Rob? Good to see you, mate. Yeah, good to see you. Thanks for joining me on the call uh, today. So Tane is a local real estate agent in my, in my area here. And I thought today we were going to talk about uh, competitive advantage because real estate is it's really interesting. We're going to talk about in a second what's happened since COVID, what we thought would happen, what's actually happened. But Tane brings a lot to the, the table in terms of um, competitive difference. And so that's why I've got Tane on the call here today. So Tane, I was wondering if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself and yep. I know you didn't start out in real estate, but how you got to where you are right now. Yeah, definitely, mate. Uh, well, I got into real estate in 2007, finished high school 2000, uh, basically worked in hospitality during that time, built my, I suppose, craft and love for working with people. Uh, and then once we did that, not to see the catwalk pass there, but... <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> But uh, yeah, no, it was a great experience to, to work in hospitality and absolutely love that. Basically, someone said to me, you should get into real estate, looked into it, got into real estate, started as a cadet, uh, worked my way up um, through the through the rankings, I suppose, uh, and then became a director of the company about four years ago. And um, yeah, gone from strength to strength. Um, you know, our offices, you know, always floating between one and two within our local area, uh, within the Harcourts group in Victoria, where we're generally sitting in the top five, just recently in the top uh, top three. So um, yeah, just we've got a really good business um, and great people that surround us as well, and um, you know, and fantastic clients that always come back to us, which we're very grateful for. So one of the things that we were talking about uh, early today was just to put this into context in terms of. Uh, maybe first of all, how many agents are in in our area? Yep. So there's, uh, in, as in individual sales consultants, there's 290 that sell within our area. So there's quite a few. Uh, and then there's 30 agencies within the Packenham area that service this area themselves. Uh, and then I suppose from outer areas, we get in, you know, from Berwick agents to um, to Cranbourne and things like that. There's over, overall, there's I think there's 129 agencies that actually work in our area. So Look, there's definitely a lot of competition out there. There's no doubt about that. And just to put that in context, we're in a suburb called Packham, which is part of the Cardinia Shire, which I believe it's got about 130,000 residents, yep. I think. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, so I don't know how many households that you probably got a better idea. How many houses are we talking in the yeah, area? Yeah, we're between 18 and 20,000 homes within our area now. So uh, it's definitely built up from when I started, there was 7,000. So it's built up quite a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, would to be you know number one, two, three in yeah. in our area is uh, a huge achievement in in itself. Yeah. Uh, uh, well done. Thank you. I wanted to first perhaps ask you how have uh, like your your office have yeah. you gone about building up to that that level uh, to start with? Because you, you know when you've come into it, obviously you've worked your way up to being director and so forth. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, what's that road been like? Yeah, I suppose, well, when I started in 2007, we were a completely new business. There was no, um, no one knew our brand. Um, we were previously MPRE and then converted into Harcourts within the first sort of 12 months of opening. So for us, it was purely just getting our name out there at the start. So um, it was letterbox drops, it was door knocking, it was cold calling. 
Uh, it was all the stuff that people don't like doing, but probably the hardest job because it's, you know, you got to do the work without getting any financial reward for it at the start. Yeah. So the first few years were really a challenge. Um, there's no doubt, and I questioned whether I wanted to be in real estate a lot of that time, but you could see that the runs were kicking on. And, um, and then we surrounded ourselves with really good staff and that sort of kicked us on from there. And, um, and our, my business partner now, but my business leader at the time, Peter Blackwood was a great mentor and, and helped us grow from there. And for myself, it was just a lot of self-learning, speaking to other top agents within the area uh, and even interstate and internationally uh, and listening to speakers as much as I can to try and find, I suppose, the way in which I wanted to run my personal business, which then grew into the business that we are now. Mm. Yeah, fantastic. It's been uh, like I've known you for a few years, not as probably well as I, as I do now. Um, and yeah, you've certainly grown a lot and, and uh, I guess you've grown in confidence as well as, you know, the, the results have also grown. I want to just put the, give the audience that, are, you know, on the, around the other parts of the world, a bit of an idea of what's happened with COVID here. So um, I'll just give a bit of a backstory for those that uh, may be listening in for the first time. So here in Melbourne, we've been shut down for about nine months out of the last 16 and obviously that's had a, a massive impact, which we'll talk about in a second uh, on your industry. Yep. And certainly when COVID first hit, like within the first weeks and months, they were talking about this massive drop that was going to happen in real estate. They were talking about 30% drop in the real estate market. Um, you know, people were panicking. They were like, it was just, it was just horrific. But we've come out the other side and you can talk some of the specifics, but property has just gone through the roof. It's crazy. I mean, I know that uh, property prices in Melbourne are already expensive, yeah. uh, but COVID has had not the impact that people were expecting. Um, firstly, I wanted to talk about uh, maybe the impact on COVID and how you adapted to, to the first few months there. Yeah, I guess, um, I suppose when we first went into lockdown, it was a bit of the unknown of, of what we're going to do. But I guess to a certain point, we were sort of lucky in the fact that we've seen that New Zealand had gone into a similar sort of thing and they came out of it and we could see that their market had, had really kicked on after that. So we sort of gained a bit of an understanding there that the market was going to be okay. Um, and what we did as a business, we sort of thought was a great opportunity now to pick up market share. So we knew in a lot of the other agencies within the area and agents were just watching netflix and uh, and weren't really working through that period so we, we hustled we had to hustle um we've all got mortgages and families to feed so we couldn't afford to to not make money during that time so we made a lot of phone calls to to pass buyers we went back through two years worth of buyers database to to see get them to sell the stock we had on the market at that point in time uh, and we also called a lot of a lot of owners and said it was a great time to sell because there was no competition. Uh, and during that that stage four restrictions where we couldn't even do inspections, um, we had to do it sight unseen. So we used technology, we upped our skill sets on technology as well. So we use platforms like Zoom and Facebook Live. Uh, we do a thing called StreamYard, which you can go live onto your social media as well. They were probably the biggest game changers that we did moving forward uh, and helped us pick up about 5% market share in that 180 days that we were sort of in that lockdown floating in and out of stage three and four yeah that that's huge that's yeah. huge so tell me just um some more specifics perhaps about what yeah. you specifically did. i mean don't give away any trade secrets but what you specifically did during the lockdown because obviously the nature of your business is uh, you know, you call, people come into the office, maybe you have a chat, you meet them at the property, all that kind of stuff. But we, there was a time where we couldn't do face-to-face -face stuff. 
and you mentioned yeah. about using the technology and stuff there. Yeah. So could you maybe tell us a little bit more about about how you... Yeah, I I suppose with buyer inspection, so we weren't even able to go to the property to um, to run a video or anything like that. So we're actually using the owner. The owner would be on a Zoom call. We'd have buyers on that call as well. And the owner would actually walk through the property, ask questions. We'd try to answer it, or even the owner could answer the question because it was, it was great to be able to do that. But we try and get as many buyers onto that phone call as we possibly could. So if you could have six or seven buyers on that same Zoom call, we found that it was generating some competition. Uh, and then we simply, at the end of that, that phone call, the owner would hang up the phone. Uh, the Zoom call would be still running. We'd just simply ask who would like to make an offer on the property. Uh, just do the little thumbs up symbol on their screen and people would, and the other people would see that there was someone else making an offer on the property and was able to generate that competition. And once we, we did the first couple of properties that we were able to sell, we just gained so much traction from that. Um, and yeah, it was, I suppose it was fantastic. With listing properties, obviously, normally we'd go to the home, we'd walk through, we'd have a look at it all. Uh, we couldn't do that. So again, we utilised technology. We we did Zoom calls. We get a floor plan from the, from the owners. We know our area very well. So if they give us the address and tell us how many bedrooms, bathrooms and who the builder is, we're going to give you a fairly good idea of where the property is going to sell at. So that was really good. Uh, we also did a lot of updates. So you want to nurture that database. So for anyone that's in sales, you want to nurture your database as much as you can. So I was just nurturing them, speaking to them a lot about um, what they were doing, um, if they were okay, um, if they wanted an update on their home, what their situation was, and just generally keeping in touch with people. So that was really good moving forward that when we did come out of lockdown, that database was a lot warmer than what it was. Uh, another thing we did, we did podcasts and, um, and Facebook Live similar to this. Uh, we did it with a lot of uh, motivational speakers um, just to give back to the community. So it wasn't real estate based at all. I was just purely mindset based. So um, we had yeah, mental health coaches, we had um, local businesses, um, the bucket list guy, I'm not sure if you've ever seen him before, um, Travis Bell, um, Chris Helder. There was lots of speakers that we had that um, just to give back to the community, I guess, and, and get a positive message out there because everything on social media was so negative. Everything was, mm, you know, people are going to lose jobs. The market's going to drop by 20%. Like it didn't matter what industry you're in, you thought the world was going to end. So we just wanted to try and find a positive spin on that. Um, and it looked to, to be selfish. It was, it was great for our mental state as well, because we had to stay positive every day as well. Yeah. For the team. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, some really innovative ideas there. And then when we did open up a bit, obviously again, that still had to be different because it was like, only one group at a time, I had to sanitize, no touching anything, yep. all that kind of stuff as well. So um, it's been a really unique um, period of time, hasn't it? Yeah, definitely. And look, that was that was good in, in that way as well. Look, we just made sure that we backed all the buyers one after the other sort of thing so they could see there was competition. Uh, and we we're still utilizing technology and we still are at this, this point in time last week. One of the boys um, sold a house where the, owner, the, the purchaser is in New South Wales. They just did a Zoom inspection for them and they still bought the property. So I think a lot of people are used to using technology to its full strength yes. now. And you've just got to maximise that as best you possibly can. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, let's dig into um, some of the competitive, um, com like your competitive advantage, I guess. Uh, yeah. you, you've already mentioned a couple of things there, you know, why, while people are, you know, sleeping, doing the Netflix thing during lockdown, you're out, you know, hustling and, you know, making a difference and getting that 5% extra. Yeah. What do you believe, like if you just stood back from your business for a moment, what do you think is critical to give you a competitive advantage over, you know, all these other 200 and 
89 people yeah. selling, trying to sell properties against you? I think um, a lot of it's got to do to do with belief in yourself and and the business that you're in as well. So I know that our, our team are confident in their abilities and myself are confident in our abilities. Uh, I'm really working on that, and but always looking to improve. So whether we are number one or number five, or number 10 in the town, we're always making sure we're looking to improve. So I think for us, that's probably one of the, the biggest strengths. We're always training with our sales team uh, and our rental department as well. They're always training. So they're always trying to improve. So if we have a record month, we're kind of like, well, it could have been better. And it's always about that improvement sort of thing. And then, um, you know, even when you, when you go to the gym, you always want to make sure you're lifting heavier weights every time you go. Um, for myself, it's always like make sure that each month we're improving, each year we're improving. So constantly looking and searching to find that way in which our business can improve every single day, week and year. So, yeah, great, um, great advice. With the, uh, say, the customer service side, like I see that there's uh, a few things that you do differently to, to anyone else. And you've just mentioned a few there uh, in terms of what you did during COVID and, yep. and so forth. Um, I don't know what it's like around the rest of the world, but I know Aussies are like tall poppy syndrome and so forth. And like your real estate agents are not highly regarded as a profession. If you compare them to say doctors, nurses, especially with COVID, you're right up here. Your real estate agents are, you know, down, are down here. Second bottom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so obviously like you work hard to change that perception. And I had I just discussed with you somebody last week that um, came to me and said, oh, I've had these three agents come through, um, or three that they're considering, and you were one of them. Yep. And they said, who would you recommend? And I said, well, these are the reasons why I wouldn't recommend these two. And here's the reasons why I would recommend you. And I said, oh, right. Well, okay, well, I'll, I'll get you to do it. Yeah. Um, Tell, tell us a, a bit about that. What, what do you do? Do you think in terms of, I see a lot of difference in customer service yeah. um, and not being the sleazy salesperson. Oh yeah, we'll get you the highest price, the best price. No worries. Don't worry about that. Just sign here. I think, uh, um, I think I suppose salespeople in general probably have a, a reputation of, you know, being liars and, and they'll do whatever they can to get the sale over the line and, uh, and they're pushy and, and all those sort of things. Look, the way we treat it is that we treat people as we want to be treated. So, and the advice that I give to people when they're selling their home or buying their home is the same exact same advice which I would give to my neighbor, my family, uh, or my best friends. And just being by honest with people and having humility, I think will always, you know, will always be uh, the forefront for our business model and what we do. Um, and we always give to get. So, like by sharing information with people and helping people through. I do believe the universe brings it back to you as well. So I think it's just doing the right thing by people is probably the most important thing that we can do and probably what we do best. Um, and yeah, we do client gifts and we have a bit of fun and um, we, we, you know, if someone's going to be putting their house on the market I'll, and I know they've got to do some paint, some walls, I'll go down and buy them a pack of paintbrushes and silly things like that. But just, you know, we want to make sure that people enjoy the experience as well as best they possibly can. Yeah. And another thing which... I guess is subtle, but also important. Um, let's talk about this, what you wear. Okay. <laughs> because, um, you know, you and I've talked about this, obviously I'm dressed the way that I am and today for the show. Um, 
I see the way that some agents are addressed. So, you know, like there's the, the Century 21 look, which is the gold that's universal around the world, the gold jackets, the tie and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about your strategic choice of what you wear in the, you know, in the office and when you're meeting clients and stuff. Yeah, so I, look, I used to go the, the suit and tie and things like that as well, I suppose for our demographic as well. And I think that it's changed a little bit. People want someone that's polished and looks sharp, but, um, you know, I don't wear the suit and tie anymore. I've got the jacket on here. I've got a, a polo one underneath. Still branded. People still know where I, where I work and everything like that. But I've noticed it breaks down a lot more barriers. And this is probably one thing that I learned during the, the lockdown as well. When I was doing Zoom inspections and Zoom appraisals, my kids would jump up on my lap or, um, you know, and be screaming out for food or drink or anything like that. And it, I noticed it broke down a lot of the barriers to, to yeah. people as well to see that I was a real person. Um, and I think that's probably the big thing. I think, you know, and some clients really want the, the person in the suit. There's definitely no doubt about that. But I think it's just being comfortable in yourself. Um, you know, I like to have a laugh. I, I enjoy what I do. I love what I do every day for work. There's no doubt about that. Um, but I want people to feel comfortable with who I am as well. And, you know, I feel most comfortable this way as well. And I've noticed that my clients probably relate to me a lot better as well from not wearing a suit. I think it's a, a, like it's an interesting observation that you've made in terms of, uh, you know, the demographic for our area. Um, yep. We've got some million dollar plus properties here. We've also got some really low ones and we've got, you know, like some housing commission type yep. housing here as well. I think if you were, say, selling the $50 million mansions, then yep. you'd probably ditch the polo and you'd go for the, the suit and tie because the, the client expects that. So, um, I think it's really. I just leave the I leave the Ferrari at home on those days. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's good how you've adapted that to uh, you know to your audience so that they don't feel so in, intimidated and yeah. And I, just, I think people just want to deal with real people. I think there's a there's a lot of fake in the world, and yeah. um, we just try and bring some, as I said, humility and, and genuine to to everything that we do. One of the things I also wanted to talk to you about was the teamwork. I know that it's like it's super competitive, like amongst officers, yeah. but it's also competitive, super competitive amongst, I should say, amongst your own office when I say offices. Yeah. Um, but it's also very competitive against the different, uh, the different agents and the egos can be very big and yeah. all that kind of thing. When it comes to you, because you're now a, you're a director and owner in the business. So you're, your, your lens kind of changes a bit. You're no longer just, you know, okay, how many sales can I get? I've got to give some to the team and how you go about building that teamwork in the office. Could you maybe just paint a little bit of a picture of, uh, you know, like how many people in the office that you're accountable for and, and growing that team and how you go about doing that? Yeah, definitely. So uh, as far as our team goes, there's 23, uh, 23 people within the office. There's rental and admin in that. Uh, of the sales team, we've got seven sales agency out there uh, listing and selling every day. So yeah, when I was just a sales consultant at the start, it was it was pretty much about me and I wanted to make sure that I was, I was generating income for myself and building my name and my reputation. Whereas now, like I, I really enjoy helping my team. Like yesterday, we just did a, um, a big goal setting session with, with all the sales consultants knowing what they want to achieve, um, what they want to earn for the year and breaking it down into, into micros, I guess. So you can figure out, you know, how many calls I need to be doing each day, how many door knocks, letterbox drops, emails, thank you cards. What do they need to be doing each day to be able to achieve their goals? So I really, really enjoy that. Um, we have had, we call them the gorillas, when you have the top performing sales consultants that literally don't care about anybody else. Uh, they just care about themselves. Um, we've had them 
and they're not great for business. They they might look on the bottom good on the bottom line at the time, but they don't really generate a great culture. And I think within our culture, within our business, like every one of our sales consultants will help each other out. Um, be it they can't meet a buyer at this time or needs to do a final inspection, um, meeting a, a bank valuer to, to go to the property or building inspection. Uh, just any little thing like that, our, I know our team will help each other out. And that's something that we're really proud of. Um, we know that if we work as a team, we're all going to achieve our common goal together as well. I think uh, I love what you've said there. So many points. It's almost like we people need to see this in slow-mo. So you mentioned <laughs> so many different points there. Um, but you mentioned a bunch of them so quickly because it's just like stuff you do every day. But you went um, to talk about making the how many basically reverse engineering like if this is what you want to make this is how many leads you need to get this is how many mail uh, mailbox drops you need to do this is how many cold calls you need to be making yeah and like you said at the start no one likes to do that stuff yeah but if you want to be successful it's not just in real estate it's anything you've got to be prepared to do that stuff that's really a bit uncomfortable and you don't really like it yeah, that's why we have a bit of a saying like if, um, you know, especially if they go to the gym and, and things like that, any of the sales consultants, like you don't just do one sit up and then look at your abs and go, where's my six pack? Like it's not, yeah. it's not about instant reward. It's about just being consistent and doing the same thing every single day. And if when you do that and you do the, the right things every single day, it's like anything, whether business or health, you just have to be consistent with it. And if you get consistency, you'll get success. Yeah, yeah, beautifully said. Now, I wanted to ask you about uh, then the growth of you and the growth of your office because you said you're number three at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah. so getting to number one, mm-hmm. like if that's like it may not be a goal of yours, but uh, I assume it is knowing you. So getting to that number one, um, as I said before, about the egos in this industry can be really big and you can yeah. feel like, oh, well, I know everything and I'm not going to seek help. I'm just going to keep pushing and hope I get listings to get to number one. But you don't do that because you know, we've talked about a few different things that that you do, like with the, um, you know, like your leading office. Yeah. And, you know, you said you had that trip to Ballarat and learning from other, yeah. other agencies and that kind of stuff. Maybe just talk a little bit about that. So I think it's really important that people can understand that it's okay and really necessary to learn from others by, uh, you know, getting the coaching, but also going to your competitors and going to people that have got more experience and more success than you. Yeah, definitely. Look, a lot of our team will, and I think with, if there's any managers and stuff, I suppose, watching like you, you, you have to find someone that's going to connect to those salespeople. So we've had an abundance of trainers, but if it's the wrong voice going to your team, they're not going to listen. So it's about finding someone that they're going to be able to relate to and, and understand and get some, some value from. So we've done hundreds of different speakers that we've seen and there's probably maybe five that the team really connected to, but some people connected with that person and others didn't completely. So I think look at other people within your, your industry, but also outside of your industry. Like um, we talk to other business owners that have got really successful businesses within the area, um, being at restaurants or anything like that and understanding what they do. So we've got a local business in the area, Shanika's. Uh, their customer service is unbelievable. And we we try to emulate that. We want people to have a fantastic experience when they deal with Harcourts like they do at Shanika's. Um, and then, yeah, learning from other, other businesses. So we did go to Ballarat. It's a competitor there. Uh, obviously not in our 
area at all. So there's no conflict of interest or anything like that, but just to see how they run their business. And my team were absolutely blown away by that. Um, Ballarat for us is about a two and a half hour drive each way. So it was five hours in the car, but what the team got from that was absolutely fantastic. And I can see the difference in a couple of our agents already just from that one day meeting. So I think don't be afraid to ask for help. And I think I'm yet to meet a successful person that mm. isn't happy to help out someone. Yeah. That's why they're successful is because they, most people want to help each other out. And I think that's the great thing. I think, and it's amazing. You can see people that are absolutely top line in their businesses. The amount of times they get asked, how did you get there? Can you give me any advice? That question doesn't get asked enough. And I think people should ask that question more. Yeah. So, super powerful points there. I think, um, yeah, you hit on that, the head there. Uh, you've got to keep on looking for opportunities in businesses that have got nothing to do with yours, mm. but taking away those things. Like I, I love studying success. And so I've read um, some great books over um, uh, you know, the last few months, one on Disneyland customer yeah. service, one yeah. on Mercedes-Benz, which I'm working through at the moment, the Mercedes-Benz customer service, the Carlton Ritz, yeah. Ritz Carlton, sorry, I think it is Ritz Carlton, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Starbucks, you know, organizations like that that have nothing to do with what I do, but we all are customer service. And if we yeah. can find ways to pull out those bits that, oh, wow, that's so powerful. Yeah, we did a, um, we did actually did a Disney um, training session years ago within the Harcourts group. And that was, that was phenomenal. Um, they've got a great, a great mentality on what they want to do and, and create and, uh, and the culture they have within the business as well. So, and that's a big thing of it as well as creating a great culture within your business. Yeah. Um, and little points of difference. Like we always talked about the fact of the taxi industry getting absolutely smashed because of Uber. Um, you know, Blockbuster Video has been wiped out because they didn't adapt and change. Yeah. So we're always looking at ways in which we can adapt and change. And, and technology is probably one of the biggest things that's going to change every industry. So you have to be at the forefront knowing what those changes are going to be and make sure that you're quick to adapt. Yeah, so you don't get left behind. Yeah. Yeah, well done. Um, look, brilliant stuff. I've got, a, I've got some rapid-fire questions I'm going to ask you in a second to have a bit of fun with you. But, uh, look, you've just added so much value there today and I, uh, I really appreciate your time. It's a Saturday afternoon here. I know that you're about to go home and spend some time with the family. Um, but maybe in closing out this part of the conversation, having brought up family, one of the differences that I see, in, again, in the way that you run your business, which leads to the competitive advantage, and I'm sure you see it, but I see it bigger from the outside looking in, is the culture that you have developed in Harcourts and how that's so important because I have been inside other uh, agencies in your same field in our area and they don't have a great culture and that leads to a lot of churn it doesn't lead to good relations and yeah. it's just it's just not good yeah and i think with that culture that you've developed you know there is that that focus on family as well yeah. i think um just like in the the way that i do it too like i i say when people come to work with me you're, you're part of my family yeah and I think people see that with you too. So they won't just buy one house off you or sell a house off you. They'll, you know, through you, they'll do it multiple times because yeah. they've got that relationship uh, yeah. with you. So maybe um, yeah, give us your perspective on, on family, where your focus is on that and just, yeah, some words on culture. Yeah, I think one thing we all work for our families, it's as simple as that. The reason why we get up out of bed and, and go to our jobs and, um, and create an income 
is for our families. So without doubt, and I say this to all of my staff, your family comes first. So that's probably our biggest biggest thing we'll always say. And the great thing with technology, again, people can work from home. So if there's sick kids or anything like that, they can do that. Um, you know, after school, there's often a few of the kids are running around the office and things like that from our staff members. We love that. We love the fact that they can bring their, their kids in and we'd like to know, you know, who their kids are, what they're up to and creating that sense of family culture. And yeah, like I think within our team as well, it's about making sure that we, we understand each other and we're respectful of each other. Um, we don't do a heap of socialising inside or outside of work. Um, we, we like to spend your time with the family. Mm. I think that's important as well. It's, I think some companies spend so much time together that that's when in-house fighting can create. And, and we've had that before where we've all been probably too close. So I think it's good to have your separate, that you've got your work family and then you've got your family family. Um, and as I said, family, family always comes first. Because the, I mean, the hours that you work are obviously really different. They're certainly not a nine to five or an eight to six or anything like that, just because of the nature of, well, it's the weekend. That's when you have inspections, people are finishing work late. That's when they want to, you know, speak to you on the phone and that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, you, you work very hard, you work a lot of hours, but I think, uh, you know, when you're with your family, you're with your family. Yeah, that's it. It's important to switch off at that time. And it is a challenge. Um, it's something that we always talk about. We always struggle with and we, we have our wins and losses with with finding that life work-life balance. There's definitely no doubt about that. And I think, you know, now I've had kids, um, it's been even more important to make sure that I do have that work-life balance and, and have that time, you know, with the family. And, and when we do have that time, it's, you know, don't be checking your phone for emails and phone calls and everything like that. It's, it's, it's making sure you're actually connected to your family at the time as well. And I think that the other thing that you do well is, um, you know, you're building your own wealth. You're, you know, you're building your own, uh, you know, real estate portfolio. You've got, um, you show me the pictures today, you're traveling around Australia in the new van and, and, and so forth. So you've got goals outside of the business, which I think is also obviously really important yeah. so that you, I don't know, I think it just gives you a wider, wider perspective in life. And you can also bring that back to your business in a bit more, um, yeah. a little bit more balance yeah i've always always sort of thought that if you don't have a target what are you aiming for so if, why are you getting up every day to go to work yes you're going to provide for your family but there's got to be something more there that's got meaning to it so um and there's got to be reward for your hard work as well so yeah that the, the travel around australia goal um pretty much the day that asked my daughter was born i said in, this is going to be the year that we want to go around australia is 2025 um, you know, buying investment properties and, and uh, we've got a holiday house. There's all these things have been things that I've written down for a long time. I look at my goals all the time. Um, they're actually behind me there, written on wrong shoulder, that one there. Um, but they're always there. I've always got my goals written in front of me uh, and they're on my mirror in my, in my ensuite as well. I write down weekly goals on there or just thoughts of um, or be it affirmations or whatever they are. It's something that I've always done. I think that if you do not goal set, then you're missing a massive job. where you are. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. All right, Tane. Okay, you ready? You're strapping yes, yourself mate. in for these questions. Let's do it. All right, so I've got nine questions for you. Uh, the most impactful book you've ever read? Um, I'd say You, Inc. by John McGrath. Okay. You, Inc., as in Y-O-U? Yeah, Inc., yep. All right. Um, a place you've never been to but would love to visit? Well, COVID shut down my honeymoon and I was meant to go to the Maldives. So the Maldives would be oh. definitely top of that with, with my wife. 
Yeah, yeah, sweet. All right. Uh, okay, so you're on a deserted island. Yep. And you can only bring one thing with you. What would that be? Um, a teleportation machine. <laughs> Do you know, I've asked a couple of people this and no one said their wife. Yeah. <laughs> well, you said thing, not person. Uh, well, you know, that could be a thing. <laughs> uh, favourite food? Uh, pasta. Pasta. What, what sort? Bolognese. Oh, just, just, just anything with some good carbs anything. in it. I'm pretty happy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What's your most useless talent? Useless talent? Uh, oh, God, I don't know. I'm a useless dancer. That'd be probably that. <laughs> no, you've got to have a talent. Everybody's got some talent. Mine's probably doing the, the Rubik's Cube. I can't do much with that. It's a fairly useless talent. I don't have any special little talents like that. I'm pretty, uh, pretty vanilla like that. Oh, there we go. We'll have to add that to the list of goals. Oh, we'll find it. We'll find it. Uh, what's your biggest pet peeve? Um, biggest pet peeve. Oh, you should have given these questions. I could have got some more thought into it. Um, <laughs> probably just rude, unhappy yeah. people. Yeah. That's it's just, I think, life drainers. We'll call them those. The ones that just suck the life out of you. Yeah, yeah. We didn't talk about this, but I know you and I have spoken about those toxic people and, um, you know, taking action to make sure you don't have those in your in your life. Yeah, that's right. right. So the Tokyo Olympics, hopefully they're going to go ahead in a couple of weeks' time. Yep. So um, if you were going to be a gold medalist yep. in any sport at the Olympics, what, which sport would you pick? Um. Have they got surfing at the Olympics yet? Because that'd be that'd be good. Actually, I think they might have that. Do they have that? I'm thinking of um, what's her name, Rebecca Gilmore. Is that the name of the Aussie? Uh, Steph Gilmore. Steph Gilmore. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It might be. So surfing. Yeah, I know you <laughs> yeah, like surfing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. So if you've got a boat, yeah. Right, I'm thinking big, fancy one. What would you call it? What would you name it? Uh. I was going to say Marina, my wife's name, but <laughs> I was I was thinking that Marina in the Marina. That's it. Yeah, probably Marina, I reckon. Yeah. All right. Nice. Um, okay. If you could be any celebrity, the living or dead, who would it be, and why? Uh, I'd probably go either Hugh Jackman or David Grohl from the Foo Fighters. Oh, I don't know who that is, but okay. All right. Uh, yeah. So, or so maybe him? maybe like a or a Mick Fanning. It's a bit, yeah. There's oh a yeah, the there. surfer. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Why the guy from the the food fighters? So what is he's a singer? Is he or a... <clears throat> yeah, he is. So he played. He was in Nirvana and he's in uh, in the food fighters as well. He's just um, I don't know. He just seems like a really good bloke and he's very talented at what he does and looks like he has a lot of fun with his life and he's very humble and I think that's um yeah it's really important. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Well. Um, oh, actually, I've got a tenth one. Yes. Are you going? This is this could be controversial. <laughs> Are you going to have a COVID vaccine? Well, uh, yes. You are. Yeah, I think. Uh, I'm not sure which one though. I'm not sure which one. That's the that's the, the million dollar question at the moment. But um, yeah, I do. I do think look, if it's a, if it's going to be the, to the uh, benefit of everybody else, uh, I think it's well worthwhile to do. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. 
Well done. You escaped all those questions unscathed apart from... I've got to find his hidden talent, mate. Your hidden talent. <laughs> hey, Jane, I want to thank you for taking the time out today. Uh, you've added some really great value to our audience today. So uh, thanks so much. Enjoy the rest of your weekend and um, I'll see you soon. No worries, mate. Thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate it. No worries.